Join me in prayer. Lord, we just thank you. In this place today, we honor you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Jesus, for the liberty that you have released to us, that in Christ we have freedom, that where the spirit of the living God is, where that eternal life has access to a life, that we are free. And where the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Lord, I thank you for that. So this morning, Lord Jesus, I am asking that a spirit of revelation would fall on this house, that we could see, that we could perceive, that we could understand more clearly, more clearly than we ever have, Jesus. I pray that you would unlock the seeing eye, that you would unlock the hearing ear, that we would have revelation of who you are and what you have done, Jesus. Lord, I'm also asking for a spirit of wisdom. Lord, that we could partner with that revelation that the life that we live, what we express through our lives, our actions, would touch and bring transformation in the world around us. God, I commit these things to you. I'm asking that you would do that this morning through this word. In Jesus' name. If you agreed with that, you said, amen. amen. Come on. I'm going to read a passage of scripture before I make a comment here. This is Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 through 16. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It'll be up on the screen as well. It says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. See, we're in the book right there, the house. <laughs> Let your light shine before men in such a way, everyone say, in such a way, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor would you put a lamp under a basket, but you put it on a lampstand so it gives light to everyone who's in the house. We are the light. You are the light. You are what reveals the Father to a world that is broken. You are what gives picture to who your Father in heaven is. If the salt loses its saltiness, it's no longer good for anything except to be trampled by men, become pavement. They would take salt if it lost saltiness and chuck it out into the streets where it would, you know, season the road, if you will, and eventually harden and turn to a type of pavement. So the, dud, the, the dirt, you know, would no longer become mud. It would harden up. Right? So there's still use for you, except for the point was that you're meant to cause an effect, to release the flavor of heaven, to preserve humanity through the revelation of who the Father is. His goodness, his kindness is meant to be seen through your life 
In such a way, I love that statement, in such a way. I got you to repeat it. I tricked you. In such a way. That means you have to shape how you express it so that people see God's goodness. That means that you have to shape your choices in such a way that it reveals the loving Father who has who loves so incomprehensibly, so fully, so recklessly abandoned. He loves humanity. He loves the broken. He loves people so much. And your life gets the express honor of displaying that love so that people get that revelation. You are the light of the world. You can't hide. I love that. You can't hide. Come on, why are you putting it under a basket? Hide it under a bushel. No, there you go. This little light of mine. See, I'm only going to sing that first stanza so it's in your head the rest of the time. That, by the way, if you want to get it out, you got to sing the whole thing to yourself real quick. That's just how you get it out of your head. you got to complete the loop. The, the revelation of who the Father is is what Christ came and he did. He said, I am the exact representation of the Father. He revealed the Father to the world. He said to the disciples, no longer will you pray like from distance. He's your Father too. I go to your Father and my Father. Take heart, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, he said. He put it in our hands so that we also, just like Jesus, could represent the Father in a way that this world would recognize just how good he is, how loving he is, come into this reality of the new covenant that all the lies of this age would get broken off of people, all the controls and the parameters of lower-level systems would come off of people, and people would be truly free to live their lives in the light of the Father's countenance. That's our calling. It's who you and I are. It's your destiny to display his goodness to people. Now, that ought to make you happy. That ought to make you happy. Well, three of you happy. <laughs> Practically speaking, Pastor Jamie, what does that look like? Let me frame this in a question, and then we'll set out to answer it. What does it look like for a follower of Jesus to live their life in a society that is so very confused as to who God is? How do believers, how are we supposed to behave in a world filled with hate and broken people that are divided so that they see a clear picture of the Father in heaven who loves them beyond all comprehension. How are we to live in light of an age that is so dark? Who are you and I supposed to look like? What are we supposed to do? How does this look? It's the question. It's a really good question. It's a practical question. And what's amazing about this is that the scripture is paint. Very clear and vivid pictures, actually, of what it looks like to live in a society like ours. Did you know that Rome, Roman citizens had the right to vote? Did you know that? Do you know it's a republic? That there is clear writings all the way back from 100 B.C. 
of campaigns of their leaders and their ability to raise support and become their leader. There's a process in their society that there were castes of sort of upper class and lower class and those who had citizenship had voice and those who didn't, didn't. It's kind of interesting. We have an apostle, the apostle Paul, whose sole job was to communicate to the Gentile nations what it would look like for heaven to exist among them. We have an apostle who wrote letters to churches in specific nations to describe what the culture of heaven looks like in their society. That's the beauty of the New Testament. Most of it's written by this guy, the Apostle Paul. Anybody like the writings of the Apostle Paul? Okay, I'm not a big fan because of all the run-on sentences, all right? Because you almost have to, like, chop out the center of a point to understand what he was trying to say. Right? And then put it back in sort of pieces to put it together. Like, oh, what are you trying to say, Paul? I'll give you some examples today. We're going to read a passage that's all like one long sentence. Jesus called 12 disciples to himself. And he said to them, you are my apostles. What's amazing about that statement, you're my apostles. Now, I, I have shared this before. Others have shared this from, it's a teaching point, you know. And so I, if it's new to you, great. If it's old hat, then just listen again and, you know, nod your head knowingly, okay? But the word apostle is a secular word. It was not a, a word out of Israel's history. The word apostle was a Roman word. It was the descriptor. It was the title of a Roman general whose job was to go into conquered societies and set the orders and customs and culture of Rome into their society. That's the job of an apostle. A military person who would come in and bring the culture of Rome into the conquered culture. Jesus says to his disciples, you are my apostles. What's their job? It's actually not a confused point. The descriptor of what an apostle is. Jesus says to them, you are my apostles. I'm representing the Father. I'm introducing and handing you the kingdom. The rule of heaven is going to be represented in your lives. Your job is to help the people that come to Christ Know how to behave in an age that is rejecting the love of the Father. That's your job. To those who are confused and believe that they still have to be under Judaism, you're going to have to challenge some things. To those who believe they're stuck in a system and still have to approach God in certain ways, still have to achieve things in order to please the Father. All that stuff, you're going to have to challenge. It's not going to be comfortable, and people aren't going to like it. Have you liked it recently? Anybody liked it recently? Nope. Hasn't been very enjoyable. I got my hate mail for the first time this last week. It was great. I, I yeah, I actually, I sat back, and I went, man, that didn't feel good at first. And then I looked at it, and I was like, wow, 
we must be touching something that's real. Right? If people are popping and manifesting, that's okay. Well, something's happening. You know, like, <laughs> I'm offensive every week, so that's not the issue. Like, something else is going on. <laughs> the job of the apostle was to help introduce and help people to know how. Like, the Roman apostle, his job was to help conquered people know how to behave in Rome. So while in Rome, they would do as the Romans. That was the whole point. The apostle Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. That's his whole job description. It says this in uh, Romans 11.13. I didn't put it up there. I'll just read it for you. Romans 11.13. I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles. He's writing to the Romans. This is the book of Romans, Right? So you got to think about this and put it in the context of their culture. They are Romans. They are voting citizens in a nation where they have a voice and they have an opinion and they get to express that opinion and there's a caste system, those, those who have a voice, those who don't have a voice, all that. And this is what Paul says to them. I'm speaking to you, Gentiles, in as much as I am an apostle to you. What did he just do to the Roman citizens? He just locked them at the position of attention. Okay, this is what happened every time an officer walked into a room, if you were an enlisted man. Somebody would recognize there's an officer on deck, and they would go, attention. And everyone, no matter what you were doing, locked to the position of attention, and you had to stay there until the officer said, at ease. And then you just moved to a place of rest. You didn't get to move around. You didn't go back to. That was as you were. And they never said that. (laughs) At ease. All right, here we go, right? This is what the Apostle Paul did to the church of Rome. He said, hey, I have some things to say to you, and I want you to know that I'm coming to you as a Roman general right now. Listen, there's some things I need to address. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. You need to start thinking differently if you're going to please God. That's what Romans 12, 2 says. If you're going to please God, you cannot live according to the patterns of this world. You have to leave them behind. Your life has to be about something else. It can't be about achievement. It can't be about money. It can't be about power. It can't be about politics. It can't be about rule. It can't be about any of these things. That's not what your life's about anymore. You are a citizen of a different country. You're a citizen of heaven. And more than that, he's asking you to be an ambassador of that place. And the Holy Spirit will anoint your life as you come into alignment with that. Or it'll be a hard time. It'll be difficult to hear these things. Paul goes on in that same chapter, Romans 12, and this is where we're going to spend our time today. Think of me like a coach. Remember the fundamentals. Here we go. Come on. Break down, right? Don't be upright when you try to tackle somebody. It ain't going to work, you know? Got to go over the ankles. Wrap them up. Here we go. All right, you guys ready? Here's Romans 12, starting in verse 9. Okay, here is the the coaching statement. 
Let love be without hypocrisy. These are behavior statements. This is, hey, this is how we behave. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what's evil. Cling to what's good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. I have not hit a period yet. <laughs> Contributing to the needs of the saints, comma. Practicing hospitality. Oh, we got a period. There we go. I'm not so certain that that wasn't just the writer, the translator. <laughs> Practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Don't be haughty in mind. Associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what's right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge. Behold, leave room for the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not overcome Ah, excuse me, sorry. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Powerful statements, yeah? We're going to spend just the remainder of the time, we're just going to walk through those statements, and we're going to talk about what it means. What is it saying? And what I want you to do is I want you just to allow the Holy Spirit to touch your heart when something like, ah, dang, that feels like that's talking about me. When that happens, just acknowledge it to the Lord. Lord, you're, you're the one dealing with my heart. Would you please, Holy Spirit, help me in this area? Okay, that's our position this morning. Amen? Here we go. Love without hypocrisy. A hypocrite is an actor, okay? Don't pretend to love people. Actually love people. Don't pretend. No acting, okay? Actually love people. That's a great one. Abhor what's evil, cling to what's good. Abhor what's evil, cling to what's good. That's a reaction. Abhor. Ah, gross. Man, I hate that. Awesome. It's okay to have a reaction to things that are evil. You know that? It's okay. It's okay to bristle back. But that's not the stuff we cling to. That's not the stuff we hold. We don't hold on to what's wrong. If you hold on to what's wrong, you'll end up with a negative disposition, and you'll always then see what's wrong first, and you'll concentrate on what's wrong. But that's not who believers are. Believers see through the eyes of faith. We see what God's doing, how he's going to transform a situation. We're those who prophesy. We see through it to what God wants to do, and that's how we talk. We see the glory that wants to come forth out of a situation that's dark. We're not interested in what's dark. Come on, it does not take anything prophetic to recognize what's wrong. Oh, it's dark. Listen, prophets that point out what's dark and what's wrong are not actually, like, this isn't prophetic. 
prophetic prophecy sees through the darkness to the glory that they're falling short of and calls forth to it out of faith and helps the other person to see themselves differently. It sees through the drug dealer to the young man who will pastor a church. Are you, are you alive this morning? Abhor what's evil, cling to what's good. It's okay to bristle. It's okay to react. But don't focus on the negative. Don't hold to it. My, uh, I'm going to tell on myself quite a bit this morning. Okay, we go on road trips as a family. And the vast majority of the time, dad can be totally fun. I mean, like, I'm in it. I'm on the journey. I love every second of it. I'm cheering my kids on. I'm helping them. It's awesome, okay? Except when there's traffic. <laughs> when there is traffic, I don't know why, but I have such a hard time clinging to what's good. <laughs> my wife, on the other hand, she's just like, the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> right? And she'll lean over and she'll go, hey, you're doing it. You're setting an atmosphere in our car right now. The kids are going to have a bad day if you cling to this. Right? Because I set an atmosphere with my life. Anybody with authority sets an atmosphere with their life. So if you're called into leadership, you cannot cling to what's evil. You have to let go of, man, spit out the bones. In every situation, no matter what it is, in every situation, you can find something good. Viktor Frankl was a man who went through concentration camps. And in the midst of that, he was noticing people committing suicide. And so he had to devise a way to bring hope into that situation. And he, in that situation, was able to help people see what is good. Can you imagine? If only that we are demonstrating that there's evil in the world, our sacrifice of our lives are demonstrating that we must stand for what's right. This is some of the things that he's saying. So even though my life might be cost, it won't be for nothing. There's purpose in it. There's something good that comes out of it, even in the darkest situations. Okay. You ready? But you can't tell me that because there's a political party that's different than you, you can't find anything good about it? What are we talking about? This is the wrestling match of the Roman society as well. And I'm going to show you in the scripture. Paul addresses the very thing that I'm saying. Let's keep going before I get myself in trouble. Here we go. Now, the body of Christ is to be devoted to one another. This, keep looking at that. He says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Do not lag behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This is an awesome statement. Be devoted to one another. Commit yourself to relationship, not to agreement. Denominationalism was built around we agree. That's why we can walk together. Oh, you believe the same exact doctrine as me. That way, that's the reason. But if you begin... 
if, if we sprinkle people to get them baptized and one group over here dunks them, we can't walk together because one came from a northern culture that didn't have access to open water and one lived in the Mediterranean. What happens when the gospel goes north to Siberia? What, what takes place here? Are you going to be sprinkled or dunked? Up to you. Are you really arguing about this point? Because it's not really actually a point of doctrine. It's a point of men's pride. Stick to relationship. Cling in brotherly love. Be devoted to one another. Okay? Cling to what's good about the situation. Spit out the bones. Man. People who are new to the house, y'all better learn how to do this because it ain't going to work for you otherwise. I'm going to offend you every week. It's just how I roll. It's just me, okay? I'm offensive, I guess. I, by the way, I have, people ask me all the time about this, the piercing. Have you noticed? Did you notice it? There you go. Put it on the screen there. Can you zoom in a little bit? We have people all the time, they'll come and they'll go, oh, he's got a piercing. I'm not sure that we can stay at this church. Oh, there's tattoos. I'm not sure. Do you know why I got the piercing? Because the Lord told me, I want you to get a piercing, okay? Now, I took it to my wife. I said, come on, this is no way. I told the Lord, I said, unless, if she's not on board with it, I'm not doing it. I took it to her, and she said, gross. I went, amen. <laughs> a year later to the day, I came out of a prayer meeting, and the Holy Spirit said to me, so are you going to do that or what? And I knew what he was talking about. I, you know what? Okay, why am I arguing with this? It seems so simple. Who knows what happens? Let me just go. And so I went and I did it. The presence of the Lord fell in that tattoo parlor. The guy who pierced my lip said, whoa, what was that? Like a manifestation of the presence. And afterwards, then the Lord explained it. He said, son, I am making you an offense to the spirit of religion. If somebody gets stuck on the piercing, then they're not meant to be. If, if they can't see past the exterior to hear the content of your heart, that's on them. Right? In other words, it offends the exterior to reveal the heart. So I am here today as a 40-something middle-aged man with a piercing. It's my version. I'm a bond slave. That's why. This is who I am. Commit yourself to the relationship. Commit yourself to the journey. You got to cling to what is good and spit out the bones. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You know what that means? Be each other's cheerleader. That's what it means. It's, it's fervent in spirit. It is, it is give passionate voice to your cheering each other on. That's what that statement means. Don't lag behind in your intention to encourage one another. Don't lag behind in your intention to go, man, I love you. I might not agree with you. Sometimes I don't like you, but man, I love you. I'm in this with you. Isn't that the body that you want to be a part of? Jeez, I'm so, man, I do not want to be a part 
I don't want to be a part of a church that like nitpicks each other and like somebody said something wrong and you're like, oh no, like, come on. Persecution like is possible in this moment and we're nagging on each other. Knock it off. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. All that runs together, by the way. Rejoicing in hope. Listen, whew, this is hard. This is hard because it requires you to hold attention. Rejoicing in hope. Oh, man. Persecution walks over someone's life. Something goes wrong. A storm comes and it leaves one family behind and one family's gone. Rejoicing with those who are rejoicing and weeping with those who are weeping. Anticipating good with hope but standing firm when things don't go the way we hoped. Devoted to prayer. Stay in the place. We're bringing our petitions to the Lord. Lord, I hope it goes this way. I'm bringing my hopes before you. I'm okay if it doesn't because I'm going to persevere no matter what. I'm committed to you. Yeah. Committed to people. We're in this together. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Some of you things are going well for and others of you aren't. That's why in relationship, we're supposed to help each other. Some, I, I need to explain this, maybe from the front, just because it's kind of hard sometimes in policy. When you're in a place of need, we don't know necessarily what to do sometimes. And so we go to the place that helps. So people will come to the church asking for a handout. Right? And we're happy to help. But the organization isn't the church. The people are the church. So my job is to help a person get connected with the person. Because in relationship, they can actually help you back on your feet. Why does that matter? Because in the last 50 years of church, we try to do that stuff through organizations. And it doesn't work. A system can't restore a person to dignity. It's a Band-Aid. Praise God for the Band-Aid. Man, and we'll do as much as we can. But the solution is having the body contribute to the needs of the body. Practicing hospitality. That means even if the person's a stranger, we're willing to help. Amen. Okay. Has it been hard so far? I really hope not. I hope we're doing okay. Are you guys doing okay? Whew. It's getting hot up here. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Do not curse them. And then... The results. Those who got injured, weep with them. Those who are rejoicing because the Lord was merciful and spared them, 
rejoice with him. See, it's the tension. It's holding both at the same time. It's not being afraid to stand in both places when it's difficult and when it's really good. You got to hold both, y'all. You got to hold both. We're called to both. The only way that a heart stays free to be able to weep with those who are weeping and rejoice with those who are rejoicing in the same sentence, the only way your heart can stay free is if you are able to bless those who are coming against you. You don't see them as an enemy. Okay, your heart to be free in order to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who are rejoicing, to be able to hold these tensions. The only way to do it is if your heart is free from the bitterness that comes and resentment that comes when somebody does something against you. You can't go there. See, this is the trick. Jesus didn't see people as enemies. No matter if they were acting as enemies, he wasn't like, he wasn't against people. There are lots of pre-Christians out there who just don't have revelation of the Father's love. And their behavior is atrocious. But how are they ever going to get a glimpse of the Father? It can't be by us raging when they do something against us. Your heart won't stay free. You won't be able to be in that place of of being able to walk with people who are in a broken state and to rejoice with people who are in a rejoicing state, you, you, your heart's got to be free. Man, it's hard. No one said it was easy. It's hard. When we first started the church, there was a minister who was against me who would send spies into our gatherings. I'm not kidding. Send spies into the gathering to hear what I was preaching and saying, because it was, uh, they're coming from a very staunch background, and they just could not see that God was still moving in this day, and miracles and signs and wonders, all this stuff was for today. They just, that's not where they're coming from. They thought that was evil. And so they were spying out our liberty in order to accuse us. And in that, then, they would find out who was at gatherings and try to get their contact information to call them and tell them how evil I was. Listen, planting a church is hard enough on its own. Much more when literally every Saturday I could, I could count on it that by Wednesday my congregation will have gotten a phone call from a, a person who's against us trying to convince people that it's wrong what we're doing. How do you get out of that? Can I tell you? The only way out of that is by seeing him as a partner in the gospel, not my enemy. Because I was able to bless his ministry. I was. I'd send his family money anonymously. Unhooked my heart. It was awesome. Blessed him. Right? Belief was Contrary, was in a place where it was really like against, okay? There's a moment later on where our relationship gets restored. The Lord visits him in a dream. We're talking 10 years or more later. Visits him in a dream and tells him that you need to go make it right with Jamie before you can be released for your next assignment. 
put it in my hand, the authority to go, praise God that I was, my heart was free. And we're able to bless and help and launch something that was a blessing to people. Are you alive? Y'all, did you know that you can make your competitors your friends? I got, I'm sitting on some testimonies right now. They're not my testimonies, but they are coming. I cannot wait to have some of these people stand up and share them. Of where, where they turn their competitors into their partners to help succeed their businesses. And it's so mind-boggling how God does that stuff. They just refused because of the kingdom principle. This is who we are. We're not bitter against the opponent. Knock that stuff off. It's not who you are. You represent a kingdom, not a political system. You represent a kingdom, not a business venture. A kingdom, not a religion. I love this one. Here we go. I'm like tensing up. Sorry. Here we go. Be of the same mind towards one another. Don't be haughty in mind. Associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Okay? This statement, remember, think of the context. This statement is being made to Roman citizens. Right? Be of the same mind towards one another. Don't see yourself as I'm a citizen and you're not. Don't, be, don't see yourself as haughty. Don't have a position of you don't have a voice and I do. Don't see yourself in terms of, okay? Don't be wise in your own estimation. That means don't think you're right and they're wrong. And never pay back evil for evil to anyone, okay? So even if your position in whatever's going on, as a Roman citizen, they could have mistreated somebody who they didn't like, or didn't agree with them, and got away with it. And so even though you might disagree with somebody, even though you might be from different sides of town, maybe you could get away with it. Maybe society won't frown on it. You need to know that heaven does. That heaven sees it. That heaven really does recognize the attitude of the heart and the motivation of the heart. Heaven sees it, y'all. And it matters. Last section, respect what's right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. This one is awesome. You got to hear this one. Y'all, this is so awesome. God is a genius. I think God saw us as a society when he wrote this. I do. I think he saw us. I think he saw us through this. I think the Apostle Paul is talking right to us. Look at this. Respect what's right in sight of all men. Do you know what that phrase is? That's a phrase about voting. That phrase says, I need you to respect. Respect is not like pay homage to. Respect in this statement is be circumvent. I need you to think about what your current society says is right. I need you to think about it. I need you to make considerations around this. You need to know the, law, the lay of the land, the law of the land. 
Now remember, he just said, listen, don't see yourself as more haughty. Don't see yourself, oh, I have this position and I think differently than this person. Don't use it as a way of getting your own way or revenge on somebody. And not only that, you better take inventory of where the populist vote is right now because that's the land you live in right now. That's what he's saying. And then look it. Now, if it's as possible, try to live at peace with all men. Now, I know that they voted a different way than you. But if at all possible, would you please try to live at peace with them? As far as it depends on you. In other words, you have the ability to control your heart. You can't control them. But you can talk to you about not getting even, about if the vote goes a different way than you liked it, certainly not taking revenge, because if you take revenge, you're standing in the way of what the Father's trying to do in the land. And all of this is in the context of an emperor that was about to kill Paul, about to burn Christians at the stake. Y'all, if at all possible, live at peace. Leave room for God in this equation. That is LOL, laugh out loud statement. Like, like God saw us. He, he saw our moment. He saw like, wow, we gotta, we gotta cling to brotherly love. Why? Because we're gonna disagree with each other. We, we got to be devoted to one another, not out of issues, can't go there. We need to know that we know. We, we need, even, even, even though the world might be going crazy and everyone agrees that this right, this is the way that's right and that way is wrong, that even in that situation where it might violate conscience to you, that you should take inventory of the law of the land. Why? So you can live at peace. Try to live at peace with people. Don't allow those contentions to violate relationship. Leave room for God. And how do you introduce God into the situation? How do you cause the wrath of God to be kindled in such a way that he brings an end to evil in your land? How do you do it? If your enemy's hungry, you should feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. In so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. There's another phrase that talks about it, quickening the judgment. That how you get God involved is by taking your own hand off of trying to make things happen, trying to repay, trying to get vengeance, trying to get our way, that stuff. You take your hand off of that button, and instead you reach for your food and you bless them. You don't try to make them your enemy. You go, oh, no, these are people, and God loves them so much. I, I'm, I can't partner with the idea, but I definitely can love you as a human. Feed them, water them, love on them. And in so doing, you will quicken their process where the Lord intervenes in their life. How do you overcome evil? With good. 
with good. We overcome evil with good. By being kind, by demonstrating the Father's love to a broken world. You are the light of the world. How are they ever going to get a glimpse? Jesus washed the feet of the one who betrayed him. He saw the betrayal coming, but he didn't treat him as an enemy. He loved him all the way to the end. That's what that verse said. I read to you earlier. He loved him all the way to the end. That includes Judas. Y'all, he loves. It's how we win. Love wins. Love overcomes. Love does away with. <laughs> Do you see it? Can you stand to your feet today? This little light of mine. Lord, today in your presence, God, we just commit your word to you. We commit these words to you. We're asking now, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you sift through our hearts? Would you help us? Help us to see, help us to recognize, help us to be free. Lord, I pray that you would undo and unhook any of the hooks of the enemy that have come through pain. Lord, that we could let go of those and we could begin to bless even. To not see as enemies those who have hurt us, but rather to be a blessing to them. See them as on the same team. See, see him as those who the Father loves so much. And he's given you the opportunity to love them in a way that will quicken their experience with him. Holy Spirit of God, I pray even this morning that you would put people on our hearts that we have felt our opponents. Lord, and then you would give us wisdom and how to demonstrate love and to be a blessing to them. Lord, that they might come to the knowledge of the truth, that they might be liberated from the systems of this world, that they might come into the love and the freedom that comes with the eternal life of the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move so powerfully in our midst. Come, Jesus. Come and have your way. Come and have your way. It's the picture I saw during communion today. It's the same picture. Jesus comes to you and says, Son, Daughter, it's time to let go of that ulterior motive. It's time to let go of the agenda. Let me take it from you. Let me take it from you. Let it go. You don't need to get back at them. You don't need to make your way. You don't need to try to overcome to somehow prove yourself. You have nothing to prove. I love you so much. Now, would you please just let it go? Follow me. Follow me. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that there would be a washing that would come. I just declare the mercy of Jesus over you today. I know we fall short. Of course we do. Oh, but you're called to goodness. You're called to glory. You're so awesome. God made you to shine. Lord, I pray the light of heaven would lift every countenance and that we would feel the relief of the burdens, Lord. It would come off of us this morning. Holy Spirit of God, would you come right now? Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I bless your people today. I bless them. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be so incredibly gracious to you. May his favor shine upon you and grant you his peace. Pray and decree these things this morning in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody who dared to agree with that prayer said.
Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today?